And um, God is good. He is good. He is good. He is good. Love Jesus. Mm. Sorry. Okay. All right. That is fine. That is fine. Praise God. It's Resurrection Sunday. Wow. Awesome. 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 Okay. Just tell just as you as we wait for the thing to go live, I just wanted to just tell it tell it tell it me quickly to Turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I would like to read the verse 19 and 20. Uh, God is good. Mm. God is good. In 1 Corinthians 15, 20, it reads, If in this life alone we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead. Hallelujah. Amen. And become the first fruits of them that sleep. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And I'd like to add the last verse, which is verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain in the Lord. Praise God. Someone say to yourself, I'm going to be stronger, bolder, and more effective in the kingdom. Oh, let's say it again like we mean it. I'm going to be stronger, bolder, and more effective in the kingdom. Praise Jesus. Shall we, shall we pray? Father, thank you for the, for the entrance of your word. For the indeed... Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of the living God. May our hearts be warmed as we hear your word. In the name of Jesus, and the saints say, Amen. Amen. We are taking time to acknowledge this Sunday, which in the church we refer to it as Resurrection Sunday. In the world, it is referred to as Easter Sunday. That is generally 
referred to as Easter Sunday. And whereas we do it just once, we do it just once in a year. There are people, countless number of people, who are doing this throughout the year. Throughout the year. And their agenda is that this Christian belief in the resurrection will be squashed, will be destroyed. There are many things being done. There are some, let's say, Jesus did not resurrect. Basically, he had, a twin, he had a twin brother who, after he died, showed himself to many people. There are some also that say, well, he appeared to only believers, you know, so what can you expect? Because in all the accounts, it's believers that he appeared to. So because they were expecting it, they faked it. There are some also that said, well, it was not really a bodily re resurrection. It was just a visionary thing. The question is, why are people making or taking time to develop stories or theories to discount or to make Christians not believe in the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Why is this? There's one group, you know, and, and this is being done by both religious groups, of course, not Christian groups, but, other, but, but religious groups who are not Christians. And also non religious groups there's one group that says this that has this idea that we live only once so once you are alive enjoy yourself because there's no life after the grave hey let's live tomorrow we die and that's it but such a view, if it is taken by anybody, if anybody ever believes this, the sad reality is this. The sad reality is that it robs the Christian of hope in the afterlife. But not only that, not only that, it also creates a weak and ineffective Christian life. But God wants us to understand very, very clearly 
that because of the resurrection of Christ Jesus, we have a victorious eternity with him in the afterlife. And therefore, we should be strong in faith and increase our efforts in the work of the kingdom. Hallelujah. This is God's message for us this morning. Praise God. So this morning, we're going to take time to look at the resurrection of Jesus. And the first thing I want to bring your attention to is the position of Jesus' resurrection in the gospel message that we preach. And it is this. That the, gospel, that the resurrection of Jesus is paramount, is chief in the message of the gospel. When we're talking about the gospel, you know, other people will want to focus so much on the cross, on the cross. But I want to tell you, the resurrection, the resurrection is paramount. I mean, the resurrection is chief. It's chief. You see, and it might sound very strange, the resurrection of Jesus. But as I mentioned earlier on, it is the, one of the, it is a major truth in the gospel. And Paul takes time to bring this out. Let's see what the apostle says in the chapter 15. Come with me to verse 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, sorry, the, the, the third day according to Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, after that he was seen of about 500 brethren. Okay, so here, what is, what is the apostle doing? What is the apostle doing? The apostle is basically saying to us that, the gospel message, you know, the gospel message, it has two major parts, but it, it involves three processes. That is one, he died, okay? He died for our sins. And then two, he was buried. And then three, he was, he rose from the dead. And when he, ro and, and when he, when he rose from the dead, there are witnesses. Okay. Now watch this. See the witnesses. The apostle decides to choose these specific witnesses because he, he leaves some witnesses out. And I'm pointing this thing out because he, he, possibly, he probably had an agenda why he did that. He starts off with Cephas. And with Cephas, we know Cephas refers to who? Peter. Okay? He leaves, he leaves the women out. The women that rushed to the tomb and brought a message, he leaves them all out. I want to point that out. That he had an agenda. But he says, 
He was seen of Cephas. Then of the twelve, of course, Judas wasn't, Judas wasn't amongst them. But the point is this. The name still stands. Okay? The name for the group still stands. Then he was seen of the 500 brethren. And he says some of these people are, majority of them are still alive. So as Paul was writing, those witnesses were still there. Then he was seen of James. And then he mentioned in the verse 7. After, after that he was, after he was seen of James, he was also seen of the apostles. Now, the 12 and the apostles, what was he doing here? So basically, besides the 12, there were other apostles. That's the point. Praise God. Okay. Then he goes on to say, and last of all, he was seen also of me. Now, you remember one of the arguments or one of, one of, one of the things that is used to discount the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the fact that he was seen only of believers. But now, Paul is bringing himself into the picture, which is quite unique and which is very important for us. Why is it important? Important for us in the sense that he, the time he encountered Christ Jesus, he was not a believer. He was on, actually, he was on his road. I mean, he was, on his, he was on his way to arrest Christians to be killed. But watch what he says. He says, and last of all, verse 8, and last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Can you see that very clearly? He was seen of me as of one born out of due time. What does he mean by out of due time? Out of due time. Is it because he had a miscarriage? I mean, his, his, mother, uh, his mother gave birth to him uh, premature or something? Well, he wasn't talking about his natural birth. He was talking about coming into the faith and becoming an apostle. That it was out of due time. It was, it, was, it was premature. Now, what is a premature baby? A premature baby is a baby that is born, is born weak and really have, has, it's not, the, it's not normal and can't be compared to, to the normal child. They are very, very weak and fragile. Okay? That is, they don't have the same thing as every other so he was basically saying here that I did not qualify even to be called an apostle. I did not qualify. When you, when, you, when you consider those that were with Christ Jesus, those that worked with him, those that he taught, I was not part of them. And, be, and besides, I persecuted the Christians. So really, there was no reason for him to appear to me, but he did. So here, we have... We have an argument for the, for the resurrection of Jesus coming from someone who was not a Christian but also encountered him. And that was what made him to become a Christian. Praise Jesus. So Paul's testimony here is very important. Very, very important. So he, say, 
He takes time to make us understand that the resurrection of Christ Jesus is an important part of the Christian message. Praise the Lord. And the, the point I want to make in here is this, that there are two parts to salvation. There is the forgiveness of our sins and the resurrection of the body. Praise God. So when we say we are saved, two things must be in our minds. Forgiveness of sins and the resurrection. And here, Paul makes it very, very clear. But the, point, but the main point is that the resurrection is a major part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Secondly, I want to say this, that rejecting the resurrection of Jesus is destructive. It is destructive to reject the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is destructive. Come with me to the verse 12, please. The verse 12. The point is this. If you remove the resurrection of Jesus from the Christian faith, or yeah, from Christianity, then you and me, we have no faith. Okay? We have no foundation for faith. And if there's no foundation for faith, then you and me, we are wasting our time because we are still sinners. So if you say there's no resurrection of Christ Jesus, then we are still in sin. Hello? We are still in sin. There needs to be the resurrection. Or else, no faith. And we are still sinners. Actually, the last time you told someone, you are born again. No sin. You are lying. If you reject the resurrection. Praise God. God have mercy. Come with me to the verse 12. Let's see what the apostle says here. He says, now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, okay? So if in the gospel message which I preach, he said that what I preach to the people, what I preach to you, telling the Corinthian church, what I preached to you was that he died, he was buried, he rose. So if I've already preached to you, he died, he was buried, and he rose, why is it that there is this issue still amongst you? Or there is this, there, there is this concerns amongst you? Why is, this rising, why, why is this idea rising amongst you that Christ did not resurrect? Why? Because just as in our day, in those times, there were certain groups it was the Greeks who were getting born again, coming into the church. 
who are believing that, you know, the soul is immortal. But the body, once you die, that's it. So when we die, our soul lives on. The soul is immortal. So the soul lives on. But that, that's it, finished. So we, we will exist, you know, as spiritual beings in the, in the air with God. And that's it. I'm sure you will say, but that's all right. Uh, no, 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 no. You don't understand. If you say that's all right, that means you don't really understand God's plan of salvation yet. And that's what we are driving towards this morning. Hallelujah. So he says in the verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? The 13th verse. He says, but if there be no resurrection, then is Christ not risen? I'll come back to that later on, right? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Okay? And then verse 14, he says, and if Christ is not risen, this is the argument. If, if Christ is not risen from, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is vain and your faith is also vain. The, all that I'm doing right now, I need to stop. There's no point. Preaching is useless. Because preaching is inspiring you with hope of what God has in store for you. It's bringing you to the truth of what God has done. But if there's no resurrection, then hey, precious one, there's no point. Let's close the shop. Let's go home. It's over. Kaput. No point. And he says, then hey, we have found false witnesses of God. That means we are testifying falsely of God. Because we have said that he raised Christ from the dead when actually he did not. Why? He did not because the dead do not rise. So, if we're saying that there's no resurrection, then it means anytime we testify of God that he raised, he raised Christ from the dead, we are lying. It's not true. And then he says, for if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised. So basically, if the dead are not raised back to life, then Christ never rose to life. So basically, the resurre Christ's resurrection is, is very important. We're driving somewhere. Let's keep going. And if Christ be not raised, again, he, he, he again says, then your faith is vain. He repeats it for emphasis. Then your faith is vain and you are still in your sins. But why is that? I don't get the argument, someone will say. But what's the argument here? Come with me to Romans chapter 4, please. Romans 4, verse 25. Quickly, let me, before we continue with it, we're going to stay in, in 1 Corinthians 15, but just come with me to Romans chapter 4, verse 25, please. 4, 425. It reads, 4, 425. Um, to God be the glory. He says, Who was delivered? For our offenses. And was raised again for our justification. Now watch that point very well. Was raised. Was raised indicates resurrection. Mm. 
That means he was raised again for our justification. What does that mean? What means is this. It is not that his rising from the dead just justifies us. Okay? That when he rose from the dead, then we got justified. That is not what the scripture is saying. And that's not what it means because the whole of scripture does not support that understanding. But what he's saying here is this. If he did not rise from the dead, then there is no justification for us. If we did not rise from the dead, then we don't have any assurance that we have been justified. If he did not wake up from the dead, then we have no basis. We have no foundation for believing that our sins are forgiven. Why? Because on the cross, he said it is finished, right? It is finished. What was he doing? He was paying the penalty for you and me for our sins. We've gone through that all this weekend, so we understand that. He was paying the penalty for our sins. And when the penalty for sin was finally paid, there was no reason why Almighty God should keep him still dead. So when he was raised from the dead, it was an indication that sin's price has been paid for. Hallelujah! Sin's price is, is paid for. That's why he says that and was raised again for our justification. Delivered for our offenses, but raised for our justification. So being raised, so Christ coming up, whoa, indicates that God was pleased with the sacrifice. God was pleased with the sacrifice, so he raised him up. Because the punishment for our sins was what? Hello? The punishment for our sins was death. But now, that death is paid for. Praise God. That death is paid for. So once the death is paid for, come on, get up. So he rose. So he's rising from the dead it's the assurance or the basis of our justification. That, hey, we are free from sin. Glory be to God. Free from sin. Amen. You see, so let's continue. It goes on. It's in the verse. And then it says, Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Oh my goodness. God have mercy. God have mercy. And then he says, If Jesus did not rise from the dead, verse 18 please, 18, 18, 19. Actually verse 19. Come to verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most Miserable. 
Still making the argument that, you see, if Christ does not rise, and there's no hope of, you know, resurrection for anybody, then, you know, and all our hope is just in this life. All our hope is just in this life. To be good people. To be good Christians. Then, we are, all, we are of all men the most miserable. We, we are very miserable people. Because why? We are living right. We are forsaking sin. We are, we are struggling against sin. We, we, are doing, uh, uh, we are struggling against sin. Let me just make that point clear. We are struggling against sin daily. Overcoming sin is not a walk in the park. And we all know that. Everyone who's a Christian is, is aware of this. The overcoming sin, defeating sin, is not a walk in the park. It's a challenging task, a daunting task. Every day you are faced with this issue called sin. And we are battling each day. Since you thought you've conquered, you know, come three weeks time, you face it again and it comes up with a new variant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Isn't it? It's, a, it's amazing. So we are battling against it. And if we are doing all this and all that is just to be a good man, then what a waste of our time. There's more to, there's more to Christianity than just this life. There's more to Christianity. Praise God. Basically, what he's saying is that there is a hope for us in the next life. That's what God is saying to us here. If in this life alone we have hope in Christ, in this life alone, that means in the next, our hope in Christ is, is, is in the next life and majorly in the next life. This one is just temporary. This one is just temporarily. Although, you must work hard here. Praise God. Can't be lazy. Can't take life for granted. Can't say, well, I don't, I don't care because I'm preparing for the grand finale. So, you know, we forget. No, we need to do what we need to do here. But the thing is, if only in this, in this one we have hope. Oh, my goodness. How miserable people we, we are. The apostle says. I'm not the one saying it. That's what the Bible is saying here. Whew. So you see, our hope is in the next. If, if your hope is not in the next, if, if all your hope, you see, if all our hope for being Christians is so that God will hear our prayers and make things work out for us good in this life, if all our hope of being Christians is to become, you know, very effective people and do well in this life and, you know, marry one wife, have one car, have one house, have um, two or three children, you know, that classic, that will fit in, in, in a five-seater car, saloon, saloon, saloon car. If that's all you think about and, you know, have a very good, a well-paid a well, a well, a well job and be respected, you know, and, and that is all, then, hey, we are miserable people. Get a life. Hello? If that's all it is, then we need to get a life. Life in Christ. Amen. Amen. Oh, gosh. God Almighty. God Almighty. God Almighty. God Almighty. But the truth is this. Verse 20. Hallelujah. The truth. 
The truth is this. Jesus rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. Amen. Come with me to come with me to the verse 20. Verse 20, please. Verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become hallelujah and become the first fruit. He's become what? The first fruit of them that slept. He's become the first fruit of them that slept. What does that mean? First fruit. Okay. The point I'm making here is this. <laughs> the what is what is what what is first fruit? First fruit is this. When you plant your crops in the ground, right? Hello? You can't, you, you, when, you, when you plant your crops in the, in the, in the, in the ground, and it's about, and, it's, and, and, and it starts, it starts getting towards the harvest time, okay? What you get is that a few, a, a very small um, a group of the crops will first show up, if it's, let's say, corn. You get, you get about 10, in a whole maybe two acre farm, you get about 20 of the corn springing up, okay? They will grow faster. They will be it. They'll, they'll grow faster while the others are still, you know, coming along the way. That, those, that, 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 that few that grows up, the farmers cut them because you have to harvest them. And in Israel, when you get that first one, you're meant to take it and bring it into the temple. And it is called the first fruits. First fruits. The, the idea is this. Why they call first fruits is this. It is the first to come. And it, it is an indication. It shows you whatever you get with those first fruits. Whatever you see. Tells you how the rest of the harvest is going to be. And you bring it to God's house to thank him and say, God, I bring this thing to you. Thanking you. That the rest of the harvest is going to be as great as because when they come up, they are usually tough, strong, plumpy. You know, when you want when you want good when you want good crops, always let me know. Go for the first fruit. That's why God wants the first fruits in the temple because it's always good, and it shows you that the rest of the crops are going to be like that. So what apostle? What the Bible is telling us here is this: the resurrection of Christ Jesus is there. Solid, undeniable, unchanging, unquestionable hope that you and me, we will also be resurrected bodily, not spiritually. Our bodies will also be resurrected. 
my goodness. Only two people understood this. We are going to be, we are going to be resurrected bodily. Bodily. And that is what I'm emphasizing this morning. We're going to be resurrected bodily. Physical, physical resurrection. Oh my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Someone wants to lie to us that once we are, once you die, that's it. No, no, no. This body, this body of mine, this body called Samuel will, will be resurrected again. If you come in the resurrection, you will see me in the flesh. You will, you will see me with his body. Praise God. That is what he means by the. And you see in the verse, come with me. Let's let's keep going in the verse twenty-two, right? In the verse twenty-two, he says, "Okay, from the verse twenty-one. For since by a man came death, by a man came also the resurrection from the dead. For us in Adam all die; even so in Christ shall all be made alive." Okay. Now, when he, say, <laughs> when he says in Christ shall all be made alive, we often take it to believe, and it's not, I don't think that's, that, is, that, is, that is wrong. We often take it to believe that we shall be alive spiritually in Christ, or we shall be alive spiritually with God. That is fine. But in the context of 1 Corinthians 15, he's talking about a different kind of aliveness. That is, we are dead. We have become dead. Because of Adam. Because we've all inherited Adam's nature. But in Christ. And watch the phrase in Christ. Not, not outside of Christ. Even so, in Christ all. In Christ all. Not, not accepting any. But in Christ all. Anyone that is in Christ shall be made alive we all 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 in christ shall be made there will be none in christ that shall not be made alive all shall be made alive i know i'm i'm leaving some things hanging but i'm doing it deliberately because the text is not finished let's keep going praise god all shall be made alive so here He's not referring to, you know, he's not referring to being born again. Even though you may want to take it to mean so, but he's not referring to being born again. But he's talking about a different kind of aliveness, which presently we don't have. Hello? Are you with me so far? This aliveness he's talking about, presently we don't have it. We have the inner man aliveness. Where we respond to God. But there's another kind of aliveness which we don't have yet. Let's keep going. But every man in his own order. Verse 24. Let's go. But then cometh the end. Hallelujah. Then cometh the end. The end. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God. Even. Sorry. sorry even the kingdom to, to God. Even the father. So we see. In the end. He will deliver the kingdom to who? The to, to God the Father. The end. Now, what end are we talking about here? 
<laughs> this end, still in the context of 1 Corinthians 15, the end he is talking about when all the bodies, remember the bodies in Christ in verse, in verse 22, in verse 22, all in Christ, when all have been made alive, all in Christ have been made alive, but in the, at the end of that, praise God, at the end of that, he will deliver the kingdom to who? God, the Father. So he came to gather a kingdom, you know, kingdom of, of, of God's holy priesthood, holy people, to, um, to, to, to present to God the Father. That is the mission of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That was why his passion was so, his, his passion is so inspiring. That why would he put himself through this passion, this sufferings? Why? There was a task. And the task is to present. But you see, that task is not over yet. We have been saved on the inner man, but there's something else to be done. And Christ is still working on it. Amen. Amen. Still working on it. And when all the bodies, all the bodies in Christ have been made alive, he will present everything to the Father. Say, God, this is it. Your kingdom. Have your people. And lead them. As you originally planned from Genesis. As you originally planned from Genesis. That your will in heaven shall be executed here on earth. Praise God. And I see, and you see, for this to happen, what is Christ doing now? For this to happen, Christ is doing something. He must, sorry, for verse 20. When, verse 24, the B part, verse 24. When he shall have put down all rule and all pa- and power, Okay, so at the moment he's working, putting down every power. Hello, there are powers, yes, there are powers, but he's putting them down, he's still working on it. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Christ must reign till every enemy is. Put under his feet. He's doing it. Precious one. Don't let your heart be troubled. Amen. By the powers that lift up their head. Every now and then. Every now and then. Every now and then. The deliberate. You know. The, the, the deliberate wielding of power. These days. You don't hear the good news. On national TV. Only the news that some people want to be want, want, want people to hear are being propagated. So so hearts are being filled with fear. But God have mercy. Amen. Whatever is happening, God have mercy. But all power, and, lo- and not only that, all power, all rule, all authority. Will come under his feet, and watch the verse 26. The last enemy, the last enemy will be what? The, the last enemy will be death. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. death. 
and that is what we are going for. Death will finally be destroyed. Death will be crushed. The power of death over physical bodies will be, will, will be over. The moment death shows his head, the whole earth goes silent. It's death. Your time is coming. Death, your day is coming. You will no longer wield this power over those in Christ. God have mercy. Hallelujah. You see, the hope of Christianity. Overcoming sin on this earth is not the final hope. Overcoming sin on this earth is not the final, it's not the, it's not the main deal. Because it's a struggle. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. So, God intends that he will, we will be resurrected bodily. And then this resurrected body, death will have no power over it. Let it sink in. Let it, let it sink in. That you, you are going to be resurrected as a Christian. You're going to be resurrected. Every Christian has this hope. You will be resurrected from the dead. And death will have no power over your body any longer. Today, diabetes. Tomorrow, um, sugar diseases. Uh, next, next day, uh, bronchitis. The, the, the next day, your tonsils are playing up. The next day, it is stomach ulcer. The, the next day, it is cancer. The next day, it is death. Hey! Death, your time is coming. Time is coming. This is temporary. Sin has made room for you. And you are functioning. But God has a greater agenda. God has a great agenda ahead of for those in Christ Jesus. You see, so this leads me to the point, to this fourth point, to say that the resurrection is also the real strength for our endurance and suffering for Christ here on this earth. Because without the re- this understanding of the resurrection, that Christ's resurrection. Indicate that we also are going to have bodily resurrections. If we are not going to have it, then Christ never rose. And if Christ never rose, then we have no faith. And our sins remain. And we are all a bunch of idiots. Deceiving ourselves. Why do I say that? Because we are deceiving ourselves. But the truth is, on a morning like this, he rose from the grave. And he sits victorious on the right hand side of glory and power. Who? Hallelujah. Victorious. He rose. Or let me say, he is risen. He is risen. So you see, we are able to endure sin. Now let's look at it. Let's get, come with me to the verse 32, please. The verse 32. Come with me. He says, if, if, if after the manner of men, I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage it me if the dead rise not? 
all the things I'm suffering, I'm going through as a preacher. Paul was going through so much. He said, I have fought with men who are like beasts, senseless. No, senseless, brutal, no sympathy. I have fought with men who are like beasts. I can't seem to get through. And I have to battle again. I have to, I have to struggle against these kind of people. Have you, have you fought with beasts before? Have you encountered beasts before? Something that is so clear, so common, I mean, so logical, it's clear. One plus one is two. A beast-like mind will tell you, yeah, one plus one is not always two. You know, you know, the one and the one is still one. Because one and one, when they put them together, they, con- they, ab- they absorb each other and so they are still one. Or you can even say it is even eleven. You know, who said it is two? I know. I mean, and you can see that this is just a foolish argument. But yet, but yet, but yet, that person probably is your boss. I'm sorry to use your, your boss as, as an example if he has ever done that. But the point is this. Paul is saying, I fight with men who are like beasts. But hey, what causes us to endure all this? And still maintain love for these people. Not cause them. Not hire assassins against them. <laughs> but go back home, go on our knees and say, Lord, save my boss. Let it be well with him. When he sacked you, he's fired you. And you go home and say, Lord, bless his job. Let his family never suffer what I'm suffering. Oh my goodness. What will cause you to do that? What will possess you to do, to act in that manner? That when you've been un, unfairly dismayed and unjustly dealt with, you are still working in love and justice for those people. What will possess, possess you to, to do that? And the Apostle Paul is saying here, if the dead rise not, come with me, verse 32. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink for tomorrow. We do, we do what? We die. Hello? Tomorrow we die. We are dead tomorrow. Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. Are you surprised this is, this, is, this is in the Bible? He's saying, watch out. Those people you are hearing from. Those people, people you are listening to. That, make, that, that are making you not believe in the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Which means that we are also going to be resurrected bodily. Those teachings you are listening to. That is weakening your faith. That is making you a doubter. That is not making you stand strong in your faith. The things that you are listening to. The things you are giving your mind and your attention to. And this goes for everyone. Every Tom, every, every, everyone, Tom, Dick and Harry. I mean, every adult, every child, everyone, including myself, everyone. If you are listening to things that is weakening your faith, the Bible says, don't be deceived. Because those things, they deceive you. They draw you away from the simplicity and righteousness that is in Christ Jesus. So, hey, stay tuned on God. Praise God. Stay on course with God. Hallelujah. Hmm. 
You see, I went to righteousness and sin not. Verse 34. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Okay, let's, let's look at this thing here. Besides, what am I saying here? You are aware, you are aware that despite the inner man being changed, you are born again. You are, we are still struggling with sin. We are. We are born again, but still struggling with sin. And Christ, Christ will often say, Christ said, hey, pray. Pray. Pray so that, because the, the inner man indeed, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. So pray so that you don't enter into temptation. Hello. So this is the importance of prayer in the, in, in the Christian life. It keeps you from, it helps you, sorry, it helps you stand in the day of temptation. Hallelujah. Prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is your communication with God. Talking and listening to him and he strengthening you on the inside. Making you, making your, you know, making your decisions on the inside very strong. That you're, that you're not tossed to and to and to and to and fro. So when the evil day come, you will stand. So you see, although we want to do right, our bodies are still craving for, for the wrong things. You want, you, want, you, want, you, want, you want to do right, don't you? But your body is still craving for the wrong things. But what he's saying here is this. A day is coming. Hallelujah. When this body of sin shall be broken and God shall grant us new bodies called resurrected bodies it shall be like the body of Christ Jesus when he rose from the dead and hey let me tell you when he rose from the dead he had a physical body come with me quickly to the book of John please come with me quickly quickly John, first John, please. First John 3, 1 to 3. First John 3, 1 to, 1 to 3. When he rose from the dead, he rose with a physical body. Praise God. First John 3, 1 to 3. He says, that which was from the first John, sorry, first John 3, 1 to 3, please. Yeah, yeah, first John, the John the Apostle. Yeah, first John 3, 1 to 3. Okay. Behold, one manner of Love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be. Do you get that? It does not appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him 
Hello? First John 3. First John chapter 3. Not chapter 1. Chapter 3, yeah? Okay. Knowing that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. And every man that has this hope in him purify himself even as he is pure. So when he shall appear, what shall happen? In the verse 2, we shall be like him. Can you, can you see that? When he shall appear, we shall be like him. Spiritually? No. Not spiritually. But as he is. Praise God. So, there is, so as he is, he rose with a resurrected body, a new body. And guess what? Apart from the nail prints in his hands and the nail prints in his feet, which was left deliberately for witness, the bruises. As that makes us understand that, that they couldn't even, when they had beaten him, they could not even recognize him. His body was murdered. His body was distorted. But when he woke, rose from the dead, he did not rise with a distorted body, did he? He rose with whoa, a wonderful resurrected body for resurrected for resurrection Sunday. Hallelujah. He rose with a brand new body. He rose with something wonderful. The sickness is, is gone. Praise God. You see, so you may have had an accident and something happened to your foot. When you rise from when you rise from the dead, you're not coming up with, with, with one leg off or with one foot off or with some part of your body off. You are coming full as God created you at the very beginning. That is resurrection. Hallelujah. That is the hope of resurrection. This is the hope of Christian. This, this is a Christian hope. This. Is a Christian hope. That is why most Christians who are experiencing some form of the of of the form or, or deformity or something or, or one way or the other are not, you know, they, they are not sorrowful. They don't pity themselves because they know that hey, in the resurrection, in the resurrection, they're going to have this new body. Praise God. Hallelujah. So you see, so presently, as I mentioned earlier on, although we are born again, our inner life is struggling. With sin. God Almighty. This is so good. Hallelujah. You see, even though we are born again, we are still struggling with sin. But this is not God's 
ultimate plan for salvation. Hallelujah. Amen. This is not. It is not God's ultimate plan for salvation. What is it then? What is God's ultimate plan for, for salvation? Come with me. As I prepare to come to an end. Come with me. What is God's ultimate plan? Come to me in the verse 34. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 34. It reads. Sorry, verse 44. Did I say 30, 34? 44. 44. He says... Sorry, sorry. Come with me to the verse. Let me take it from front of verse 35. But some man was... Verse 35, please. First Corinthians 15, 15, verse 35. But some man will say, How are the dead raised? And with what body do they come? Thou fool. Basically, Paul is saying, that is a foolish question to ask. You know, we often say, oh, no question is, there's no foolish question. No, no. The Bible says some questions are. Hello? Hello? Have you ever heard that? You go to a conference and they tell you, oh, ask any question. No question is stupid. No question is, no. The Bible says some questions are foolish. Don't ask them. Okay. <laughs> but although they are foolish, he, he answers it. <laughs> That's how merciful God is. Oh, thou foolish. Oh, thou fool. That which thou sowest is not quickened except it dies. Don't you understand this? He brings our attention to natural life. When you sow corn, the corn has to die before a new a new breed begins to come up again. So you are wondering how our body is going to be because why was that question or that argument? Come with me. Look. And that which verse 35 How are the dead raised? And with what body do they come? That was the question. That foolish question. So basically what they are saying is when we are all dead and we are all turning into dust how does God raise us up again? Say, you are a fool. You fool. Why do you think like that? When you plant crops in the earth, don't they die before they get new bodies? Anything you plant in the earth dies. Not, it, it dies completely. You plant anything in the earth, it dies. Not, it dies completely. And then, there's something called germination. It begins, those who have done signs, it begins to germinate and it begins to come up again. So in the same way, in the same way, when we die, physically, when we die, we die. And we may die and rot and everything, bones, bones all turn into whatever. But in that death state, God would give new body but that which thou sowest verse 37 please and that which thou verse 37 and that which thou sowest and that which thou sowest thou sowest not the body that shall be isn't it you don't sow the new body but bare grain 
it may chance it may be wheat it may be other some other grain but you see sow it but god give it a body as it has pleased him when you sow something the thing dies and but then god gives it a body so if god gives bodies to your crops new bodies to your crops how much more the resurrection of the body god knows how to do it all flesh is not the same but there's one kind of flesh of men another of beasts another of fishes another burst there are celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is, is another there's one glory of the sun another of the, another glory of the moon another glory of the stars for one star different from another so verse 42 so is the resurrection of the dead amen praise god attention here please so is the resurrection of the dead hello what is the hope? This is the hope. So is a resurrection of the dead. It is soon in corruption. But it is raised in corruption. Now, corruption here, let's understand. In this context, corruption is not referring to something gone bad. Okay? Where something just spoils and just, right? That is not the point here. Okay. That is, it's not, corruption here is not the, okay, let me, let me, let me clarify for myself. The point here is not bad as in evil. Okay? Bad as in evil. But the corruption here is referring to the tendency to die. Having in you, having in you, the elements that makes you die, that makes you spoil. You put food in a fridge and the food spoils. Is it sin? Has it become sinful? It is just spoiled. <laughs> That's what it means here. So here, it's not to- talking about evil as in being wicked or being not. It is soon in corruption. It is soon, that is, when we die, our bodies die as bodies that can die. Yes. But when God raises it up, it is raised as a body that cannot die. It is sown in what does it say? It is sown in it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is raised a glorious body. Amen. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is shown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Aha, spiritual body. Yeah, there we go, isn't it? Spiritual body. That's it. There it is, spiritual body. You see, we told you all along that the resurrection is about spiritual body, isn't it? No, no, no. Understand here. Understand what he's saying here. Understand what he's saying here. In the original text, it says... it. It is sown a soulish body. The word natural, translated natural, actually is soulish. That's soul. It is so. It is sown a soulish body. Soul. The body for the soul. It does not mean that the body is made up of soul. Okay? It's just a body for the soul to live on the earth. 
So when it is when it says that it is raised a spiritual, it is it is raised a spiritual body. It is basically saying that it is raised as a body that can be used by the spirit effectively. Mm. At the moment, the body we have, our transformed life, our our transformed inner life is not able to use it effectively. Actually, it is antagonistic to our inner life. At the moment, the body we have right now is forever fighting with the inner life that we have. It is fighting forever. You want to do the right thing, but it is is denying you. You don't have a chance to be able to do it. It is denying you. It is denying you. It is struggling. So basically, what he's saying here is this. It is, going, it is going to be raised a body that God can use. Hello. It is soon mortal. Okay, let's, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Soon immortal. As it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit was not the first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterwards, that which is spiritual. For the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is a lord from heaven. So as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So as we have borne the characteristics of Adam's body, right? A sinful body, a body that can die. Hello? A body that can die, that can be infected with sicknesses, disease, and all kinds of stuff. We would also take on the body of the man from heaven, Christ Jesus, when he resurrected from the grave. Now, come with me quickly. I want to show you something. I, I, want, I, want, I, I want to show you something. Come with me to John, 20, John 21, please. John 21. I will not read the whole passage. I just want to just pick up a few things. Just nip in and pick up something. John 21. I'm not sure whether I'm going to go for the verse 14 or something. John 21. John 21. Hallelujah. Remember, in John 21, Jesus Christ is risen from the grave, okay? Risen from the grave. Come to the disciples because they've gone back fishing. Hello? They've gone back fishing. And they've gone back fishing. And what does he do? Verse, if you come with me to the verse, if you come with me to the verse, five, then, she, then Jesus said unto them, children, have you any meat? They answered, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right hand side of the ship and he shall find. And they cast therefore the net and they were not able to draw it for the, for the multitude. Therefore the disciples whom Jesus loved, verse seven, said, said unto Peter, he said unto, unto, unto Peter, it is the Lord. John immediately realized it is the Lord. Now when, Peter, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he got his fisher's coat onto him, for he was naked, you know, like what fishermen do, and cast himself into the sea. Verse 10. Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have. Okay, so, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Verse, verse 9. As soon as as soon then as they were come into land, can you see that? They saw a fire of coals there, and a fish laid there on um, and bread. What was he doing? 
Who was cooking that food? Jesus. Jesus. Resurrected body. Cooking food. Hello. Is that ringing? Does that sound like normal life? Does that sound like a ghost? Ghost don't cook fish. He's cooking fish. Lit fire. Food on. And he's cooking fish for them. Hello. Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. So they brought, bring many. Verse 12. Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples thus ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Luke 24, please. Come with me. Luke 24, quickly. Please open your Bibles and let's check this. Luke 24. Luke 24 and the 36th verse. Let's do this quickly because I think my time is running out now. Luke 24, verse 36. I read from here. Okay. And as they thus speak, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were what? Terrified. And suppose again, they have seen a spirit. Hello. Can you see that? They were terrified. And he said, verse 38. Verse 38. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? Why do your thoughts, why do thoughts arise in your hearts? 39. Behold my hands and my feet. That it is I myself. Handle me and see. And watch this. For a spirit, verse 39, please. For a spirit has not flesh and bones as you see I have. <laughs> I'm not a ghost bodily. So this, when we're talking about our bodies being resurrected, we're not talking about some spiritual body floating in the air. No, no, no. Physical body doing things as you're doing now. Praise God. Hallelujah. But a much better body. Glory be to God. This is the hope. <laughs> this is the hope. This is the Christian hope. This is the Christian hope. And you see, and, and, watch, and, and there's more. And, there, and, there's, and, there's, and there's more. And when he had thus spoken, verse 40, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not, see, some were still doubting. Isn't it? Isn't it amazing? That some people, no matter what you do, they still don't believe. They are called doubters. And, and they? Hello? Such people are called doubters. They, no matter what you do. But if they don't believe, hey, write a name on the paper. Actually, I want to advise you, have a book in your home. Divide it into two. Get a big one. Divide the book into two. The first part should be believers. Second part should be doubters. Anybody you talk to about God that they doubt, just put their name down. Doubter. Praise God. Amen. And put the believers on the first part. Right. And then don't, don't bother about it because you've already discovered that they are doubters. God have mercy on them. But let's keep going. Verse 41. And while some of them yet believed not for joy, okay, they were so joyful they couldn't even believe it. He said unto them, Have you any meat? Oh, oh, he's going to do something. He's going to do something. A ghost. Watch this. Verse 42. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. Oh, Jesus loved fish. My goodness. And, and an anicomb. Resurrected body. Eating fish and anicomb. 
organic. <laughs> and he took it. And what did he do? Oh my goodness. My, when I read this, I said, I said this, this is it. It's it finished. For me, this is it. He ate it. That means in the afterlife, you will still eat. So there were some of you that are, that are thinking that, some of you are thinking that, you know, in the afterlife, you're going to just be spirit and no food. No, you're still going to eat. The resurrected body of Jesus ate fish and honeycomb. Do you get a picture? We are talking about life, continuing with the life that God has made as is, but without the power of death, but without the sin, with resurrected bodies. This is what the resurrection of Jesus Christ is all about. This is the pointer of the resurrection of Jesus. This is what the resurrection Sunday is all about. A reminder of the fact that we are going to be resurrected bodily. And finally, come with me to John 19. John 20 verse 19 and 20. In John 19 verse 20, verse 19 and John 9, John 20, 19 and 20, the Bible says that at, then at the same day at evening, right? In the evening, be the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled for fear. The disciples were assembled for fear. What did he do? When the doors were shut, came Jesus and stood in the midst of them. He came and stood in the midst of them. He stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. The doors were shut, but then he appeared amongst them. Glorified bodies. Hallelujah. Amen. Glorified bodies. So not only are we going to have these resurrected bodies that can eat, that can cook, that can do all those things that you do now, it is also going to be glorified. Wonderful body. Able to do things that this physical body can do right now. Limited. We're bound by space and doors and walls and bricks and all that. You go out, you come back home and your door is locked and you are shut in. Not the resurrected body. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise be to God. Praise to God. Finally, I want to point out to you. How are we going to get these resurrected bodies? How? I want to point out to you. We're going to get these resurrected bodies quickly, but they will be powerful. Quickly. Within the twinkle of an eye, it will happen. You are thinking, oh, maybe God has to wait for three months, you know, to process the, you know, all the chemicals. To No, 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 no. And let me point out, let me say, let me say something unto you. The resurrected body is not going to be a reconstruction. Hello? 
the resurrected body is not going to be a reconstruct, a patchwork. God is going to take some patches, some patches, some patches. As you saw earlier on, when you plant the seed, it dies and a new body comes. It's going to be a new body, but it's still going to be you. But glorious. To such an extent that sometimes when, when Martha sees you, Martha is not able to say, ah, is it Jesus? And then mistaking you for, for, for a gardener because your body is resurrected. It's a new body, but it is still you. But it's kind of like wonderful. So sometimes people don't, are unable to, dis, to, to distinguish. Like when he asked them, children, have you got any meat? They couldn't make it out until John said, ah, it is, it is him. But what I'm saying here today, today is this. Watch the verse. Sorry. Sorry. Let me make, let me comment on verse 15. Before I go to verse 51. Verse 15. In the verse 50, he says, Now, brethren, I say unto you, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. The kingdom of God is such that that, that life of God, that, that after, you know, here he's, 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 he's talking about the kingdom of God in full manifestation in the afterlife. Kingdom of God in full manifestation in the afterlife. Okay? Anything that dies cannot be there. God has had enough challenges with this body already. He doesn't want this body there anymore. God, this is this is this is this is God's this is this 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 God's plan. God is looking for bodies that can work with Him in, in eternally. God is looking for bodies that He can work with eternally, not bodies that just die. God is not looking for bodies that just die 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, and then they just die. God is looking for bodies that He can work with in, eternally. So he says that corruption, flesh and blood, which is a symbol for corruption, that is bodies that will die, they cannot inherit the kingdom of God. They cannot be there. It is too weak to be there. God wants resurrected bodies. He wants resurrected souls. That is, you see, renewed spirit, renewed bodies in the new life. Hallelujah. That is the, that is the total package of, of, of our salvation. So that's the reason why sometimes we say we are saved, but we're going to be saved. Because the bodies are going to be changed. Now watch this verse 51. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, before you can blink, the change has happened. And the dead in Christ Sorry, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised a court incorruptible, and we shall be changed. When we are being raised, we are being raised incorruptible. That is, that is we no longer die. Undiable. Immortal. Praise God. The body can no longer be per- can no longer perish. Sickness, no, diseases, no, coronavirus, no. Um, imperishable bodies like the body of Christ why because sin is dealt with forever and ever so now this body will now work with your inner life 
Presently, this body is not working with the inner life. It is struggling with it. But in the resurrected bodies, in the resurrection, when we resurrect, the body we're going to have is not going to work fully. This has been the plan of God all along. Since we've been a Christian, this has been God's plan all along, even before, even before you became a Christian. Now, once you're saved in your soul or in, or in your inner man, he also wants your body also to be saved. That's why Christ rose from the dead. Hallelujah. For our justification. And then also to show us that as he as the first fruit, we are also going to be resurrected in the same way. And this war at the last trump. What does he mean by the last trump? You know, this, this is talking about the resurrection of the believers. Okay. So what does the last trump here mean? The last trump is, you know, in Israel, any, any, any time they were going to be called, when they were walking in the, in the wilderness, they were going to be called, they will blow certain trumpets, and sometimes they will blow them a number of times. So either the trumpet that is used or the number of times that is blown tells you the kind of assembly that, we're going to be, that, that, that you're going to be having. So in the same way, this trump, it shall be a trump for the... <laughs> it shall be for the clothing. Hallelujah. It shall be the new clothing. It shall be the clothing. The, the new clothing. When this trumpet shall sound, it shall be the clothing of the new body. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. A new body on us. Whoa. 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 New body. New body. Call resurrected bodies on us. It shall be for, it shall be for that. And guess what? For this corruptible body must put on incorruption. And this mortal body must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to power the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. Death's power broken forever. And oh my goodness, this calls for joy, this calls for praise, this calls for joy, it calls for praise, it calls for praise. He said, Hey, it calls for praise, it calls for adoration, it calls for thanksgiving. He says, This body will be done with forever, and it's all dead. Where is your sting? Death will no longer in the resurrected life, in the afterlife. In the resurrected life, in the in the in the in the in the manifestation of the fullness of the kingdom, death will have no part in it. Death, where your sting? Grave, forget about grave. Oh, grave, forget about grave. Where is thy victory? Over, finished. Grave will no longer have control. Well, today we are burying so and so. Today, the one's going to them. Forget it, it's over. Death will be all death is over. It has no power over the resurrected body. Grave, no power. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin is the law. Hallelujah. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord. Jesus Christ. This victory here is the victory of the resurrected body. We are talking about a victorious eternity. No longer are you going to see, oh, I've sinned against God. No, the body, 
Now the body and the inner man agree. It's going to be a body that is submitted to God's order as your inner man has become. This is what's going to happen. This is the gospel of Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God who gave the victory and it's all about Christ. And it's all down to Christ. That is why, you see, you can't compare Christ to any other. That is why there's no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. No other. And this is the fullness of, the, of God's plan of salvation. This is it. That is, that's why Christ, you can't compare. But you see, Jesus Christ can't be the only one. Let me ask you, who ever resurrected? They say, I met a man some years ago in grace who said to me, what Jesus Christ did, some of the gurus in India have, have, have done it, have, have done it many, many, many times. Now, my question is, why are they not so universal? Why are they, so, why are they not so universal that I, I, I don't even know about them? Why? Because you are lying. It's all lies. Because truth, if it is, if it is truth, it must be universal. It must spread far and wide. It's not truth. And those people still live miserable lives. But we, when this hope grips you, when you're looking forward to this eternity, where this victorious eternity with God, why are you going to work with God in eternity? Let this truth dawn on you, precious one. Finally, he says, finally, he, he says, therefore, my beloved brethren, verse 58, therefore, become steadfast. That means become settled. Settled. Oh, hallelujah. Settle. Tell someone, settle, 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 settle. Settle in your faith. I mean, become set. Tell someone, be, settle in your faith. Come on, go on. Settle in your faith. Become settled in your faith. Become settled. Just, just settle down. No need to rush no more. Now the whole truth is out. Praise God. Be unmovable. 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 Praise God. Unmovable. Always abounding or increasing. Goodness me. Always do you want? Abounding or increasing. 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 Increasing in the work of the Lord. For this hope becomes settled in your faith. Become, um, you see, when you are unmovable, it means that you keep moving forward and nothing can shake you. That means we are to be settled, we are to be persistent. And finally, he says, always abounding. That, that means we should be always be increasing. Yes. So whatever you are doing with for God right now, what he's saying to you is that, hey, 
increase your efforts. Increase. Always, always means continuously be increasing. Don't find yourself decreasing in your efforts in the work of God. Should I say it again? Don't find yourself decreasing in your efforts in the work of God. Be increasing in it. Why? Because of this victorious eternity, this hope, this hope of a victorious eternity with God. In majesty, oh, hallelujah, yeah. The victory. Come on, sing with me, everyone. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Won it all for me. That could not hold you down. Oh. The word of God is living. The word of God is not just a mere written text. The word of God is living. It's a living thing. When the word of God proceeds, when it comes out from the mouth of God, as Matthew puts it, when it comes out from the mouth of God, it is a living and active word, powerful able to effect change and change things it is not a dead letter God's word is living I am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God it is active it is powerful 